0: Get ready because aging starts now.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 30 of Aging Starts Now. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, one of the attorneys and a partner here at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today, we're talking about VA benefits. There's so much to talk about that we're actually breaking this topic up into two parts. Today in part one, we are giving a general overview of the different types of benefits and the general qualification requirements. We will give more detail on qualification criteria next week in part two. Joining us today is our own Joshua Hunter, a public benefits specialist here at Tegas McGinnis Care Law. Welcome, Josh.
2: Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for being here. The uh, So the VA, uh, a, a few years ago, this was something that's brand new. And, and dare I say now, uh, fast forward to today, and you're a veritable expert in the area, aren't you?
2: Well, I appreciate you viewing it that way. I feel like I learn a little bit every day because like you said, it, it is a huge program. It was completely new to me before starting here at you guys got to throw me straight in and help me figure it out and learn it, and it's been a, a good process and got to help a lot of families.
1: It really has, and you have helped a lot of families. It's been fantastic. The People don't know that the Department of Veterans Affairs is, is one of the biggest organizations we have in the government, and it gets confusing for people uh, when you start talking about service-connected and non-service-connected, and, and they don't understand that you know the Veterans Administration is is broken up into three pieces. So it has a Veterans Benefits Administration side, a Veterans Health Administration side, which are all the treatment of facilities, hospitals, clinics and the whatnot, and then they have the National Cemetery Administration. and so uh, people can easily get lost because there are benef- benefits in those different areas depending on what benefit you're looking for, Is't
2: that right? Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean the, the overall idea of the Veterans you know Department or Veterans affair is enormous. It's the second largest government department only behind that at the Department of Defense. That's so right. They cover a ton of different material, different programs, different options, and they all have their own unique qualifications once you get in there.
1: Yep. And as I like to say, words have meaning. So when we talk about these different uh, departments and the different type of benefits they have, uh, being precise in the language we use matters. Because so often people will say, well, I'm just looking for my VA benefits. And and literally, it it sometimes can be almost too many to list about the number that are out there. And so let's start uh, getting on a granular level and maybe let's start with the VA pension, what are the different types of pension and what do they
2: mean? Sure, so most of the time we're going to be talking about two different pensions, right? That's going to be what we reference as service-connected or the non-service-connected pension. So the easy way to separate these two in your mind is that service-connected is some form of disability rating based on something that happened to you while you were in the service, right? You know, it's easy to imagine that somebody injured their leg isn't able to work, you know, you have that form of disability, and the VA gives you a percentage rate that has compensation associated with it, right? It's a disability rating from the VA. Now, the non-service connected is a little bit more complicated to wrap your head around in terms of just knowing what it means, but it's for individuals who serve during a certain wartime, and then they meet requirements, medical and financial, to get a pension, typically in their older age.
1: And so with the service connected, there's a magic word that we we use very often when we're dealing with these types of claims. And that word is nexus. And that nexus word is sometimes hard to wrap our mind around. But I think you were eloquently laying it out. That nexus means that what you are dealing with now directly relates to an incident that happened in the service.
2: Yes, you're right. And sometimes that that's really, really simple, like in the example I gave. And sometimes it can be quite complicated when you have one event during your service that leads to subsequent issues. And you have to kind of timeline that for the VA. Sometimes that can be hard to get back to that nexus. But you're right. That is the pivotal point in really pinning down a service-connected pension.
1: Yep, and, and people need to be aware of that because that will frustrate some people when they say, well, this is wrong with me. Uh doesn't don't I get a disability rating because of that? And not understanding that your uh, whatever is wrong with you, whatever your current malady is, it has to have some relation to your military training. Now there is something um, called a, a secondary causation, and that is where you have an underlying condition that's related to your military service, and that underlying condition is causing additional issues. So perhaps if your uh, diabetes was so somehow related to your military service, then secondary issues related to your diabetes would also be compensable uh, because it all has the same root, the same nexus of the initial service-connected issue.
2: Exactly right, Chris, And, and our audience may recognize something like Agent Orange exposure, for example. There's a whole list of things that can be secondary based on that exposure and can list off chronic issues for the rest of one's life. Maybe some of you have heard of that, but that's well, a good way to think of it.
1: And I'm glad you brought that up, Josh, because that there's two great points that come out there. Why don't you uh, tell our audience, with regards to Agent Orange, what the presumptive conditions list
2: is and why it matters so much? Yes, yeah, so thankfully you can actually search the presumptive conditions list, and you can find this list that the VA has produced that explains a whole variety of different chronic illnesses that can be directly tied back to Agent Orange exposure. So if you can prove that you are reasonably or you can directly prove that you might have been exposed to Agent Orange and you have any of the conditions on this list, that's guaranteed connected. So right. that means the whole tracing back this nexus that Chris was talking about, that makes that journey so much simpler for families.
1: And, and then what the VA did to make it even easier and and the right thing to do to take care of our veterans as they were exposed to some toxic substances uh was that if you served in the country of vietnam or in what they call the blue water navy area uh what they say is you are presumptively assumed to have been exposed to agent orange and that matters a great deal as well oh yes
2: make it even easier to prove yes sir
1: so if you, have, if you served in Vietnam, you're presumed to have been exposed to Asian orange, and therefore, if you have one of the presumptive conditions lists, all you have to do is file your claim because the nexus is presumed because of the, the research and the scientific studies that the VA relies upon.
2: Yeah, so what Chris just kind of did, that gives you an idea of how we look at service-connected pensions when you break all that down. More of the the things we'll talk about for the rest of these segments are probably going to be more related to the non-service-connected because it's not that clean cut.
1: Yeah, and I think now is a good time to, to shift over to the non-service-connected. So tell us about the non-service-connected pension, Josh, and let's start talking about uh, who's uh, eligible and what the criteria is.
2: Yeah, so the non-service-connected pension, like I was saying, isn't as easy to draw a line from as service-connected. Instead, it has three key things that everybody needs to think about. You need to have at least served 90 days active, and one of those days being in a wartime period, and I'll go over those in just a second, I'm just listing off the key ones first, so that wartime and active. You also have medical requirements, and you have financial requirements. And if all three of these things come together at the same time, you may qualify for the non-service-connected pension.
1: Yeah, so talk to us about those wartime periods, because with a service-connected, it doesn't matter. You could have served at any time in the military,
2: correct? That's right. That's right. So when you're talking about making sure everything works out here, you need to have at least 90 days active. And then one day of that being in some of these wartime periods. So I'm going to list a few of them off here. Uh, And another good thing I'll throw out, if you're as terrible at remembering dates as I am, thankfully the VA has a nice list of these you can find online. That's right. So most of the people we're going to help probably don't come before World War II, so I'm going to start there. So World War II, it's any of those one day could be between December 7 of 1941 to December 31 of 1946. So if you see 41 to 46, that should be a good flag. For Korea, think 1950 to 1955. Now there are specific months, but if you see any of those years, you want to check. And now Vietnam gets quite interesting because it breaks it up in two different ways, and I'm actually going to give you the months on this one because it's so particular. So you have February 28, 1961 to May 7, 1975 for veterans who actually served in Vietnam. Now that's actually being there. Now the other date is August 5th, 1964 to May 7, 1975 for veterans who served outside of Vietnam. So let's say they were here at home during that wartime period. And then finally, we have the Gulf War and that's 1990 pretty much to present until we get something changing on that and that's going to be a huge thing later on as we see these people aging into needing care.
1: That's right. And I I always say that the VA is a wonderful organization. It is continuously under-resourced, understaffed, and and often overwhelmed just due to the sheer number of volume of veterans that we have out there. And when you look at those previous wartime periods, you have five years, five years, 14 years. Well, when you think about the Gulf War period, we're we're coming up on, on year 30. And the, the throughput that the VA is going to have to gear up for as those people get older and, and start dealing with more and more issues is going to be more and more difficult. And so one thing we like to say is this is not something you want to sit on. You don't want to sleep on your claim. If you have a valid VA claim, you want to get it filed early because it just seems to take a little longer and a little longer because there are so many veterans out there, and frankly, a lot of veterans. In need.
2: I think you're exactly right I and mean, then we can only assume that once these individuals from the 1990 forward are eligible and start trying to claim stuff, we're probably going to see the VA get even more restrictive, things are going to get harder. So, you know, if you can move on stuff like you said, do it now.
1: That's right. And so this non-service connected pension, which it, I would say the majority of our claims come from, a, a way to think about it as a frame of reference is think about it as kind of an income augmentation. It is a cash benefit that is direct deposited into your account. And as you noted earlier, Josh, uh, you're, you're looking for unreimbursed medical expenses. And, and what it's trying to do is for veterans out there uh, or they're spouses who have what I would refer to as catastrophic unreimbursed medical expense costs uh, that basically are uh, zeroing out their monthly income and who have limited means, i.e. assets in the bank account, etc., mm-hmm. uh, it, it provides some income supplement to help them keep their head above water. It's it's not a, a one-stop, hey, everything's going to be great, but it can certainly, for a lot of veterans, it, it kind of uh, stems the tide a little bit and, and helps them get through these medical costs.
2: I think you're exactly right. I, I think the way I go to phrase it to clients typically is saying, in a long way short, it's a reimbursement program. If you meet the rest of these requirements, it's a way for the VA to reimburse you for some expenses to a point.
1: And so what's the, what's the net worth? What, how much can you have in the bank? In yes. The
2: yes. So that's a new rule from the VA, thankfully, that came out not too long ago. But it set us a hard line at $129,000 right now for either a single individual or a family, that's the most you can have in liquid assets or or assets outside of what we call exempt. For example, they're not gonna look at like your home or your car. But if you have things outside of that, like let's say multiple properties, that can be added into this overall number. But that was so, the first time the VA gave us something like that. So I great. can own a home and, and they won't count that against me. That's right, to a point. Now, as part of one of those rules is they do look at the acreage of your property. So anything over two acres might be counted as an additional asset. And I say might because that's getting into the weeds. So if you yeah. have more than two acres, you need to really ask some important questions.
1: So if I'm a, a married veteran, husband and wife, and I qualify for the pension with the aid and attendance benefit, what, what am I looking at for a monthly reimbursement?
2: Yeah, so it can kind of change a little bit. So if you're a veteran and you know you have everything and you, you've completed every requirement you can get, you would max out around to $2,266.
1: Okay, so we're looking at around $25,000 uh, a year.
2: That's right. That's exactly right. And and that can make a
1: huge difference for people who are on, especially who are on a fixed income and dealing with this.
2: Yes, it is. And then let's say you're on the other end of that. Maybe you're a surviving spouse. You could look to about one thousand two hundred and seventy eight dollars.
1: Got it. Well, Josh, that is fantastic information. I appreciate you being with us to share all of it. That's it for today's episode. I'd like to thank Josh for joining us. Join us next week as we continue our VA discussion with Josh. We will be giving more detail on the qualification criteria. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now.